1: Well, hello everybody and welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tobacito and Sick Janice Gant. <laughs> and
2: And Kevin Ebling. What's up, guys?
1: Poor Janice. That that bugger Tom who had COVID now gave Janice COVID.
0: He did, that little devil. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: you're feeling better, right? You were kind of feeling... Yes, I'm
0: definitely feeling better. Puny, but you're better now. Yep, yeah, I really am. I really have not been just horribly sick, which is good. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
1: I'm so glad. I mean, some people get really sick with it.
0: Yeah, I know. I really do think that because I have all of those boosters, and uh, I mean, I've had every one possibly that I could have. I think it really does kind of make it, the case less severe. So, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I did it. Yeah,
1: it might not mean you don't get it, but you're you're probably going to plow through it quicker than most.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: so, I'm. Yeah. Gl- thank you for recording anyway, even though you're quarantined. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I hated to not be there in person, but I knew no one in that room wanted me there. Nope.
1: Even though we love you. Yeah. Nope.
0: I I don't want that. I did not take it personally at all. Like, yep, stay put. (laughs) Uh So we
1: need to thank our sponsor for today. Paige Anderson is our sponsor for today's episode. Paige is a longtime listener. She actually um, is also a yoga instructor. Do you know know Paige, Janice? Gosh, I think i do she is a total sweetheart and she's always listening to the remedy always talking about the remedy a huge fan of the remedy she's just she is a great 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 uh listener and friend and person and she's she is a dear so she oh um, that's
0: so nice
1: yeah so nice thank you so much Paige. and Thanks for not only uh, sponsoring an episode, but for being a big advocate of what we do. She's, she's always, a, she's a great encourager and cheerleader. You know how some people just have that gift. Yeah, it is a gift. It really is yeah. a gift.
2: Yeah, aren't you one of those people?
1: No. No. <laughs> no. Not the way some people oh, are. You are. You are. Present. Wow, that's nice. I would never put myself in that category as like a really incredible encourager because I think about people who are encouragers to me and I don't fall into their level.
2: Well, you're an encourager to me.
1: Well, that's nice. Definitely. Thank you. I hope so. Yeah, but I could, You are. well, thank you. That's very, very nice. But I, I do think that's a really special gift that some people really have.
0: Yeah, it really is. And you know, the thing I think what's so interesting about people talking about our podcast is, that's how this has spread. And it's kind of humbling to think that we have as many lessons per month as we do. And it's, it's simply word of mouth.
1: Yeah, it really is just word of mouth. In fact, a, a guy, a precious guy that I've been meeting with lately, it's from a work standpoint. Not, don't worry, Craig. (laughs) He um he's I somebody told him about the remedy and he was like uh, so after like a couple of sessions he was like oh my god I can't tell you how much I love the remedy I'm talking about it all the time I'm telling anybody who will listen the grocery store people at work like what an amazing podcast this is I was like that is so nice he was like it's free counseling and I was like it actually is free it counseling. Is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> for me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, Janice, before we got on, Kevin Kevin warned me that he says he's not speaking today because of how much he spoke <laughs> for last oversharing
2: week. last week.
1: You did not overshare. It was great. That's exactly what I said, almost <laughs> oh my verbatim.
2: It was a hard one to go back you... and listen to. It was
1: great.
0: Well, after you listened to it, did you think that you? Well, first of all, you you have a really good radio voice for sure, and uh, you don't sound like you're from Lubbock, <laughs> and um, but you it was I mean you were you were vulnerable, which I know is probably a little uncomfortable for you, but I think that that vulnerability is what really helps people because they're like, oh yeah, you know. I mean, it was I thought it was great, Kevin. I thought it. And I think that it's a manly man that yeah, can be vulnerable like that and yep. not yeah, act feel like, like they always have everything together every minute of the day. So I think that is really, I mean, I think that that's a gift I and too. I thought it was really good. I do it really did. Well, yeah. I
2: got valuable guidance from both you guys. So thank you very much for that.
1: Well, you know what, Kev? I do think that the tide is turning on men having feelings. You know, I think that, well, I think it's been turning, but I think for so long, you know, men did not have feelings. You were a man if you didn't have feelings. Having a feeling Mm -hmm. meant you were wimpy or a wussy or weak. And and to your point, Janice, I think the, like, real men do have feelings and can be vulnerable and do admit sadness or hard or or life you know
0: the thing is everybody has feelings yeah men have feelings of course they just don't talk about their feelings you know terrence real one of my mentors that was just really he's such a great therapist and has written several books. And the first book was I Don't Want to Talk About It. And it's about male overt and covert depression, which is which is due to the fact that men don't talk about their feelings, mm-hmm. but they have them. They just don't acknowledge them. You know, you never see a bunch of football players in the huddle saying, gosh, aren't you scared to go out there and try to <laughs> right. catch that pass? Right. Right. you know right. so so yeah so you talking about it Kevin not only is that really helpful to you because what you what you feel you can heal and so being able to talk about those feelings puts you in a position to get through them and not we don't get over them we just get through them and so that's really that's really good that you did that
1: yeah I agree
2: And it is kind of an antiquated mindset, the whole men aren't supposed to have feelings it's it's really is but it's so hard to avoid you know it's just one of those things that's sort of well if
1: you grew up with that kind of of course if you grew up in that kind of environment where i mean i remember my dad saying to my brother are you a man or a mouse and i was like what the hell does that mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know if he was crying about something or upset about something he was like are you a man or a mouse i'd be like that's just mean
2: (laughs) that is yeah
1: like uh, that's know, very belittling. Yeah, it was very belittling. And I but I have very vivid memories of my dad saying that to my brother and I was like that, that's bullshit. Yeah. Is what that yeah. is. You know, and I remember
0: all of my uncles saying, you know, with any amount so there were nineteen of we grandchildren and there were quite a few boys and, and my uncles would say if the guys got sad or anything or cried or anything, they'd just call them a sissy. You know, and that was the term that somebody that if the guy had feelings, they were a sissy or they talked about it. And it's just really a very sick mentality because men need to feel like just every bit as much as women, maybe more so because it's so strange for them. And if they hold that in, then they're going to, you know, they can get really sick. Yeah. And they well, can have heart, heart issues. Yep,
1: Or cancer. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, that's why people get sick because they're holding all that shit in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of feelings, um, Mm -hmm. I thought, I don't think we've ever, I mean, I know we've talked about grief here and like grieving, but I don't know that we had ever um, talked about the five stages of grief.
0: And I kind of think that we did a long time ago. Oh, did we? It may be one of the beginnings. But I think we uh, it's worth revisiting. Yeah, yeah. It's good.
1: Well, it's applicable is what it is because I don't think you can escape life without grieving something at some point. And, and I, I think even if we've talked about it before or this is somewhat repetitive, I know that, I mean, I go, like, I mean, there are, We've all, I, I really don't think, do you think you can escape life without grief? No. I don't either. Oh,
0: no. No.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my question um, to you, Janice, is do you think that, so so, really smart people um, have established that there are five, five stages of grief. Do you think that if you are grieving something, do you think you need or will go through all five stages?
2: I was just wondering.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, de- I think you definitely do. Okay. And um, I think her name was Elizabeth Kübler That is the first one that identified the grief stages. Okay. And, um, and, and there is a, we do go through those. Uh, everybody will experience some level of each of the stages. Mm-hmm. And then but there's not the order in which we go through it can vary from person to person. They may skip a stage or go back to it or sometimes we have to go through these different stages a couple of times before we settle into acceptance um, acceptance. And, you know, and so
1: and so you might go back forth, you might skip and then go back, you might stay in uh-huh. one longer than another but, but all of these, all five of these are applicable when you're grieving something or someone. Okay. So let's just go through them. Um, the first one is denial and isolation. So I looked up some information about this and it says, when we lose someone or something important to us, it is natural to reject the idea that it could be true. In turn, we may isolate ourselves to avoid reminders of the truth. Others Mm -hmm. who wish to comfort us may only make us hurt more while we are still continuing to come to terms with the
0: loss. Yeah, 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 and we we do that in, in different, I like the acronym for denial, don't even know I am lying to myself about it. And you know, so yeah. so it is we we can do all sorts of codependent behaviors around denial, like controlling, focusing on others, neglecting ourselves, mm-hmm. illness, compulsive or addictive behaviors can also happen during that denial phase because it's it's it is grief Typic, it does have pain that accompanies it. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit of fear can accompany it also. Mm-hmm. And so what we'll do as humans, we have these coping mechanisms and we will develop some other thing that we can do to protect us from the reality of what it is.
1: And what, name some of those. What does that look like? Well,
0: well, like, like what I said, the focusing on others. Oh, okay. Okay. Those, those. Okay. illness, okay. drinking, mm-hmm. compulsive behaviors, mm-hmm. blah, 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 all those addictive behaviors. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can remember um, when, uh, when my grandmother died, that was, that was, it was so, we were all so upset because we loved her so much. And I can remember my mom just, busying herself like crazy mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. her mother had died and and she was and that was a behavior used to try to keep the reality from sinking in so mm-hmm, to speak mm-hmm. so
1: i i find the whole denial isolation thing incredibly fascinating i remember um like when i lost charlie i had seen people lose other people before, and. When somebody had died, they kind of opened their home and everybody was over there, and you know everybody was sitting around talking, and and I wanted none of that. Like I wanted everybody out of my house. I did not want Mm -hmm. anybody over. After Charlie died, uh, Topher and I we left. Like we packed up our dogs and our. And we left and we spent a couple of months, I want to say maybe longer, in Steamboat. And we did the exact same thing after Louisa died. Like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to process with anybody. I didn't want anybody crying with me. Like, I couldn't even handle their grief, let alone my own, you know? Yeah. And so isolation for me was a very important part of my like if I could have just isolated forever I mean there was a time after Louisa died where Topher and I really considered just moving away yeah like yeah
0: I don't blame you and mm -hmm. you know and that is you know it it takes time when you have a loss that is just so gigantic like that it takes time for it to sink into us and Mm -hmm. I think that doing what y'all did was actually really healthy because there's even when you're in the denial phase it is a protective device and it is a healthy place to be Mm. it's not that you're being weak or oh my gosh you're going to have to face the band sooner or later sometimes it just takes time for us to even be willing to wrap our brain around it mm. and it um, has to be the most difficult of all levels and types of grief mm. because it's because it's the it's the greatest love I think we ever feel.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I so, well
1: I didn't know I mean I was 30 years old, you know, 27, 28, 29 when I was going through all that. And I didn't, I didn't know any of this. All I knew was what I could do and what I couldn't do and, (laughs) and what was, what was okay and what wasn't okay. And normal life for me was not okay. Like I had to isolate myself Mm -hmm. from, from life. And, and I think it's really, I love that you said it was actually healthy because I think that People look at denial and isolation as a weakness in grief. It's like, I'm too sad to face the world, so I'm just going to hide. And I think that for a lot of people that could feel weak, and and yet it's not. It's not weak. It's just a part of the grieving process.
0: Well, and I think that what's so important when we talk about each of these stages mm-hmm. is that we must walk through each of these stages in order to get to the final stage which is acceptance mm-hmm. and so and we we have to be gentle as we allow ourselves to move through these stages at our own pace yeah. and and being able to you know, when the stage, I like thinking about it, like if you're walking through a forest and you start and you enter into the trees and all of that, and then you just keep doing it slowly and steadily and to the best of your ability, even if it's very slow, and eventually you get to the end of of the woods and then you're ready to move on to that, that next phase. But it is, it's an individual process for mm-hmm. sure, Toba, mm-hmm. And I think that you were not running away. I think what you did when y'all went to Colorado was to be able to cling to one another and isolate in your grief mm-hmm. so that you could get through it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It, that's I exactly what it felt when, like. Yeah. And sometimes if people, you know, everybody's knocking on your door and, And you appreciate it and because people love you and all of that. And they want to bring you food and they want to help you and all of that. And sometimes the last thing people want to do is have to even talk about anything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I did not want to. I always used to say, I can't even handle my emotions i don't want to deal with yours <laughs> yes yeah. no
0: that's true you know, too,
1: yeah like people were crying about charlie and i was like okay i'm sorry you're sad about charlie but i did not have the capacity to deal with other people's sadness oh. about it it's like you got to do you and i'm gonna go to me <laughs> well
0: and i think too toba that you know i think that what's great about us talking about this and being talking about denial is i think people feel guilty if they are not being gracious in their grief or by Mm -hmm. allowing people to come Mm -hmm. and give them their best wishes you know i Mm -hmm. mean sometimes people don't want to don't want that yeah and we, well, no. and it is
1: not personal.
0: Like I, I know that no. y'all knew
1: after my accident. I mean, I, I took, I told, you know, Natalie, Mary, Catherine, and my kids, that th- this is all I can take. Like you have to tell yeah. everybody, like I can't take visitors. I can't take, like I, I couldn't do it. Like the thought of having conversations with, and like. You know, a, a lot of people wanting to come is—it's so kind and it's so sweet, but it's also at times about them. And yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I don't mean that to be rude, but it's like I do feel that sometimes. You know, it's like th- this is the latest scuttle. You know, and I saw yeah, Tova exactly, and, and or you know, it's like you want to be a part of the latest and greatest, and it's like. And I don't think a lot of my people were like that. I mean, if you wanted to come see me, I don't think it was because you were trying to like get the latest information, but, but we do. I I, like, I think your point is such a good one. Like whatever people need in their grief, like respecting it and not Mm -hmm. judging it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Really important. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to read the next one? I think it's really good one.
0: Well, I don't even have that thing oh, that you said. okay.
1: I'll I'll bring it but, up. But I mean, I,
0: I have it, but I don't know where it is. Okay, it's, it's fine.
1: It, the so, the second one is um, anger.
0: Yeah, I know. I know what it is. Okay. So, okay. So the the thing is, the thing about anger is, and sometimes that includes blaming, mm. whether you're blaming God or somebody mm-hmm. else or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a real necessary part of accepting the loss and change because we are allowing ourselves and others to become anger and that gives us the ability to go through the denial headed towards acceptance so if you vis- visualize grief as being a journey then it's like you have to kind of go through that because mm-hmm. the the as we come to terms with it we may blame ourselves or God or other people, mm-hmm. but it, it is okay to do that because that's anger. Yeah. You know, if only I hadn't have done this, or maybe he, if he didn't do that, or why did God allow me to lose two children or, or whatever? And it doesn't help, but we know that we are going to be able to use the blame as some in a source of energy yeah that's the thing about anger it's good anger has energy yeah it it. does it sure does and so that is helpful in that you're able to take some of that deep Mm sadness and even part of the denial and allow it to come up and then smash it to the ground yeah you know I really Ava.
1: like that visual this says we yeah. might feel like something extremely unfair has happened to us and wonder what we did to deserve it and yeah. <clears throat> we see that a lot I mean we see that a- I've seen that in my own life I remember and this is probably one of the things that I'm least proud of that I've ever done in my life <laughs> but when bless you um, Sorry, it uh, was a cough. Oh, okay. So if, if
0: if I start having a coughing fit, I'm going to take my earbuds out Okay, and
1: I'll just kind of cough Go quietly. cough. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> so I remember when we were waiting for Charlie's diagnosis, we had no idea. All we knew uh, that his, he was losing weight and his kidney or his liver was failing, but we didn't know why. So we had been in the children's hospital for a couple of weeks, you know, test after test, surgery, da, da, da. They finally come in and tell us that Charlie has mitochondrial disease, that it's terminal, and they don't know how long he's going to live, but it's not going to, I mean, he will die from this. And, you know, very little treatment, no cure. And so Children's Hospital, as you two may or may not know, is a teaching hospital. Mm -hmm. So because this was a very rare disease, it was like, Ooh, you know, like
0: Mm -hmm. all the doctors. A spectacle. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. And so when the doctors came in, it was like the whole GI team, their admins, their residents, their fellows. It was like 16 people came in. I'm making that number up, but that's what it felt like. Came into the room while the doctor is telling me.
2: Okay, that's poor taste.
1: It was, I was so pissed.
2: I understand the need oh, for that, uh, but not in there's a way to do things, you know. That's uh, bad.
1: So, you know, and they're telling me all about the disease and I, it's like it was kind of like this like I never got past your child has a terminal illness right. and he is going yeah. to die. And so they're saying all this other stuff and I see all the fellows and the residences taking notes and you know, everybody it's like it's like Charlie was a lab rat. I was so yeah. pissed. Uh. and so they got up to leave. And I'm like, I hadn't said a word. Maybe I'd asked a question or two. I don't know. I just felt like I w- I couldn't even speak. And they left the room. You know, they're walking. All, all of them are caravanning out of my room. And one of the last le- or fellows was like innocent, sweet, kind, well-meaning, da-da-da-da, looks at me because it was a Friday and says, have a nice weekend. <laughs> and, and you know what I did? I grabbed the phone.
0: Well, oh,
1: <laughs> no. I grabbed the phone out of, I phones out of the wall and I chucked it at the the door where they were walking out of. I threw it at the door and I was like, "Weekend! Weekend! What about Charlie's fucking weekend?" and i was so pissed and i like sat down with charlie and i was bawling my eyes out and i like it was like every it was like it was just this it was anger it was like fuck off everybody you know like how could you tell me to have a good weekend how could you give me this diagnosis this like blaming everybody and this was this was a very common response of mine in grief.
0: Was well anger. yeah. It's just yeah, it's part of it. And well, it and it is it's so important mm-hmm. because it's again, it's got energy with it and mm-hmm. it is gonna push you to move on through into the next phase so that you once you go through the grief process. And you go through it many times sometimes, mm-hmm. but it, it will allow you to get to the final stage, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I mean, cause you just, you couldn't cry enough.
1: No. You know? Yeah. One of our, um, one of our dear friends, and I know he, who, you know, it is, they just, their daughter just lost her husband and, just a precious family and uh they went to do the funeral this weekend and i texted her asked her how it how was everybody doing and she said you know we're on our way back and i feel so sad because you know we're all going to go back to work tomorrow and life goes on and yet she's stuck you know trying to this makes me cry try to put one foot in front of the other and no. it's it just broke my heart, you know, because I know that feeling of like, how could you be grocery shopping right now? How does everybody just go back to the office? Like, don't you know what happened? You know, it's yeah. like you get mad that the world doesn't stop for your loss, for your grief.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think it what. What, what the thing about the anger is that when somebody when somebody has a really really heavy loss, it they they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. and so when the anger when you're in the doing this feeling angry, it gives you a place for your brain to go that, is that kind of helps you get through the sadness.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, so it's, it's really, um, it's really important.
1: Yeah. And I love, I love how you keep saying, like you start with, or denial is one, anger is one, you know, we'll talk about the other three here shortly, but it's like, you have, this is a necessary part to get to the other side. Like, uh-huh. and there is another side I mean I'm not carrying yeah. around I'm not isolating myself I'm not angry anymore like you do but I think to your point Janice and I love that like it is all of this is necessary you know and and so many people don't want to feel these feelings because they're painful you know they're yeah it's painful to to isolate or deny it's painful to feel angry and so we would just rather, pick up our rug and sweep it. But it's like, it doesn't go away just because you pick up the rug and sweep it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, and like I said, anger has energy to it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's healthy. I mean, it really is healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it can help get you through the sadness. Yeah. Okay. I'm about to cough. So I'm going to take my earbuds out. (laughs) Okay. I'll,
1: I'll talk, I'll introduce the next one. Number three is bargaining. (laughs) Okay, sorry. It's okay. Okay, number three is bargaining. So, yeah. So this stage is interesting. Um, so in this stage, we might somehow seek to change the circumstances of the situation causing our grief. For example, a religious person who loved whose loved one is dying might seek to negotiate with God to keep the person alive. Bargaining may help the grieving person cope by allowing them a sense of control in the face of helplessness. I so get that.
0: You know this, uh, when I was dating, And and this is, and and one of the things that I want people to remember is that grief is not just about someone dying or somebody, they're all different. Right. Losing a job, losing a pet. You lose your job or you start to get older or your relationship breaks up. One of the things that I experienced uh, right after my divorce, I dated a guy who had been married three times, which should have been a big fat clue. But um, it wasn't. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. All of a sudden, it was so quiet. I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> I do. No, we're here. We're class? here. <laughs> but anyway, so I dated this guy, and and uh, and he ended up one. We, I mean, he had at, he talked about adding on to his house, and that you know that we could get married and. Blah 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 blah, and then one day, right around, right before Christmas, he put a note in my mailbox and broke up with me. And what in the and, world? What a tool! I know. <laughs> Who puts I know. notes in mailbox? What, what are you in the seventh what grade? What grown up
2: does that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. Wow. So talk about that. I that was that was a huge grief for me because I had built up such a fantasy about being with this guy in spite of the fact that he had had three marriages it didn't work so but but i i can remember thinking okay what could i have done differently if i had only maybe i had maybe i needed to lose a little bit of weight if i'd be skinny enough or pretty enough or reasonable enough or fun enough or whatever enough that i needed to do in order to Maybe have him change his mind about that. And that's what bargaining a lot of times will look like. You know, if I try to be a better person, this won't happen. If I, if I pray harder, maybe God will change this. If, um, you know, if, if, if the house is cleaner, then maybe my husband won't have the affair or maybe if Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. more sexual, my husband will like me more. Or, I mean, there's just so many things that we try to bargain with when we are in the, in the process of grief that the bargaining phase kind of gives us the illusion of hope.
1: Yeah. And control
0: change. Yeah. And so, so the bargaining, you have to be careful with that because sometimes we'll turn, try to turn ourselves inside out, just trying to get somebody to see our side of the story Mm. or see Mm -hmm. that we are enough Mm -hmm. get fired from a job. I mean, all sorts of things about that.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this one is, is probably, probably where we could become the most reckless. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as individuals, it's like, you're, you're, it's a big part of the coping and yet it's kind of like, it, it is it's just an illusion of control it's like uh, i'm going to regain uh-huh. some sense of of control here and so this yes. is what i'm going to do and yet it's it's not true and like i mean the word illusion is the best word of all it's just it's it's not true yeah,
0: yeah. if i do this then this will all get better mm-hmm. it'll all get better mm-hmm. you know and i
1: do think that i do think that like to your point, I think it's really easy to see this in in the loss of a relationship because there's a lot of evaluating, like, why didn't it work? Okay, well, I'm just going to do this so that from now on it will work. It's like you lost the thing because of this, so from now on I'm going to do that so that I never have to experience this again. But there's no guarantee of any of it.
0: Surely, surely he'll see. Surely, mm-hmm. if I just do all these things, he'll see that I really am the one that's going to make him happily happy ever after. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Oh gosh, so, so glad I dodged that bullet.
1: Oh, <laughs> imagine that guy versus Tom. It's just like, thank the good Lord.
0: I know, but he did <laughs> have a jet though.
1: Doesn't matter. I've flown oh, no, on no, jets. Cool. I'd rather, I'd rather get on Southwest. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> I was going to say,
2: yeah. how does a guy get to where he has a jet, but he he writes breakup notes as an adult. I mean, that,
0: those two just don't add up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it, well, he didn't earn, it was family money.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense.
1: Well, there yeah, you now go. Now it makes, sense now it makes yep. actually perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Never had to learn okay. anything. <laughs> yeah. Now everything falls in place. Just got on the jet. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Things get tough, you just go. (laughs) Call the pilot. Okay, the next one is depression. So this this one is necessary, of course. They're all necessary. This is the part where we feel the weight of the sadness over the loss. So this is when we feel down. We feel like we don't want to get out of bed. We feel hopeless. Um and you cry. Mm-hmm, crying, 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 crying. And yeah. And you just can't see you can't see a day where you're getting out of it.
2: Do we lose Janice?
1: Janice? Oh, I'm here. Okay, oh, sorry. You, you faded out for a second. Yeah, you faded out. I don't know if you said anything.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I'm not a s I am not i do not
1: know. Okay. <laughs> So uh, have you, have you guys ex- ever experienced this depression from grief?
0: Well, I think that it, I think that is really the most, I think the thing that that's really talking about the most is the sadness uh-huh. and you know, which, and then you can go into a depressive episode. Mm-hmm. If, 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 and a lot of people will get on like an antidepressant, when they are in a grieving process because of the sadness and you know or people will try to medicate that sadness with alcohol or food or there are a lot of things that they could use so the so the 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 depression is that heavy feeling of just the loss Mm -hmm. and and it is it's the it's the feeling that is the most messy mm-hmm. and probably the very most important.
1: I think I hate this feeling more than any other feeling that I've ever felt in my entire life.
0: hmm
1: hmm I really do. I think being depressed, the feeling of, of depression following a loss, whether it was my kids or my divorce or a breakup, I think that this feeling for me— is the worst feeling that i've ever felt
0: yeah because there's no energy around it it you can't everything has a veil of negativity around mm-hmm. it you it feel is just, hopeless and it is that it's a lonely process too nobody yeah, can do exactly it right. for you or with you they can hold your hand but they don't but then even there you you know when i'm in a really sad place I don't want anybody me there
1: neither. with me. Me neither. I'm I the exact needed, same way. I
0: needed to do that by myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know. And do you think most people cry. are
1: like that? Do you think most people in the depressive state want to be alone?
0: I think that they. I think that it's the only way to really feel it, mm-hmm. because I think when there are other people around us, we will try to not go as deeply in it as. We probably need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I can remember when, a time when I, I mean, I can remember literally lying on the floor and flopping around, crying in the fetal position because the pain was so deep mm. about me realizing that my marriage was gonna end. wow. and and that is, and and that is a very isolating, lonely, Place to be, mm-hmm. and nobody wants to attend that party. No, and you really don't want them to because it it will. I think for the most most part, if there are too many people around, or maybe anybody around, if somebody is really really sad about something that they've lost, then if people are around, they won't fully go into it. Yeah, I always tell yeah. my clients, I say, you know, you. This is what you, when, when you're sad, which is what the depressors, the depression state of grief is, it may be, it may be a full blown depressive episode, or not, but it's sadness is mm-hmm. what it is. And so, so you, the, the greatest thing you can do is allow yourself To wallow in it,
1: yeah, that's really for a
0: period of time, yep, and then get up and eat a bowl of soup or and then go back to it if you need to. Mm -hmm. I tell people sometimes sit in the bathtub Mm -hmm. and and let yourself just cry, 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 Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. you know, so that you release that. And once those feelings are felt, you may have more behind them, but the once those are felt, they the same feelings won't be felt again. Yeah, there may be more, really good. but you're going to yeah. be able to release that.
1: You're still moving in gonna... in, a di- in the direction of acceptance. You're still yes. moving through the grief. Yeah, i yeah. I think the hardest part for me in in this phase is that idea. Just like our friend who lost her son-in-law, is like that. The world continues, you know. I, yeah, like. When I was getting divorced, and Janice, I bet you, you feel, have very similar memories. The hardest thing for me was that I still had to be a mom. (laughs) You know, like, like that, okay, I was in this massively depressive state, and yet I still had to pick George up from carpool. And I still had to make dinner. And there were expectations. You know, I had to go to Carter's soccer game. And it was like, that was the last thing I wanted to do and felt like I had the energy to do. And yet, yeah, you know, the world, the sun keeps coming up. The world keeps turning. Yeah. And that was very difficult difficult for me was to be in such a state of depression. And yet I had to continue to put one foot in front of the other
0: not it is it's not someplace you want to spend much time -hmm. if you can
1: help it I remember cute little Georgie he was probably in the fourth grade maybe yeah fourth grade I think he was in the fourth grade when I was getting divorced and I went to go pick him up from carpool and I felt like I had spent most of the day well I know that I had spent most of the day in a very depressive state and it felt like I'd spent a better part of the day crying. And I looked like it. And But, you know, I slapped, I put pig on a lipstick and went and picked him up from carpool. And from, like, yards away, from, like, 50 yards away as he's walking to the car, I can see his eyes looking at my eyes. And he gets in the car, Mommy, what's wrong? And I was like, Baby, nothing's wrong. He's like, No, I can tell something's wrong what's wrong? You've been crying. And I was like, dang, like, I thought I was trying so hard. You know, I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I was working really hard to hide it. And I, I mean, I just admitted it. Like, I'm just really sad right now about dad and I. And, you know, I think that kind of just accepting that st- each stage as it is, and like, also acknowledging like this, this is, even though this feels really hopeless and really lonely and very isolating and angry and da 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 like also acknowledging like this is getting me closer to acceptance this is getting me yeah. closer to to a place where i'm not gonna feel these things like this anymore like this is a healing this is a healing process
0: yeah and and that and it doesn't kill you
1: no and it doesn't you kill think
0: you you, you, <laughs> you think that it might yeah But it won't. And once you have that in your repertoire, you know, then it's like, okay, you know, this is what has helped me become the person that I am. Mm -hmm. So the grief, as much as we just hate it and we hate being in it and we hate having to dance with it, but it is part of what creates our character and our resilience. And, and it, I think it also gives us a ton of compassion for other people. Oh,
1: yes. That's a great one. I 100% agree with that. I think it also gives us confidence in what else could come. Like, I I think that, like, it's kind of funny. Like, when, when I was in the hospital after my accident, the... Some psychologist came by and did some psyche evaluation on me, whatever. And she was like, "I mean, I'm sitting there with 15 broken bones. I just been hit by a truck." Da, da da da. And she asked me, "Did you ever think you were gonna die?" And I looked at her and I go, "No," like I didn't even hesitate. I was like, "No." And she was like, "You never thought you were gonna die?" <laughs> I was like, almost comical. Like she was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I was like, "No." Never thought I was gonna die, and I don't. I'd never felt like I had that thought. But afterwards, Craig Craig was like, "Wow, T, like you never. I thought you were. There was a chance you were gonna die. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: well, I think we all
1: did.
2: Yeah. I'm sure the the guy who hit you did too.
1: Yes, and uh, multiple people who witnessed it. Oh yeah, it yeah, yeah. Thought I'd die. Mm-hmm. You know, Field Scoville, my doctor, had. Se- was at the soccer field and some woman who had driven by and saw me get hit. She said, Oh my God, I just saw this woman die at Northwest highway in Thackeray. She was hit by a truck and it was me, but I I know. And that I'm telling you, people saying that freaked me out, Mm -hmm. but I had never, I had never thought of that. And Craig and I talked about like, I just, my mind, I think that after I lost my kids, it was like, I don't, I don't have a lot of fears and I don't have yeah. a lot of worry and I don't have a lot of like, how am I going to get through it? I just know I'm going to get through it. Like whatever yeah. it yeah. is, you know? And I, so I do think that there's like, I, I don't love grief, but I do think that when you get to the other side of it, there's this like new confidence in you. At least there was in me. Yeah. It's like, I did that, you know,
0: like, I agree. That, I agree. Looking back on yeah. in, any of those events, it's like, man, I survived that. Yeah. Like I'm, that I'm was hell. Kind of a badass. Yeah.
1: It was <laughs> hell. And here I am on the other side of it. And I think that like, yeah. and, and then you think, okay, death wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened. I mean, the worst, <laughs> you know, it's not like if, yeah. if I had died yeah. that day, I'm glad I didn't, but had I died, I don't even think of death as the worst thing that could happen.
0: No, no. So it's not,
1: I do think that grief is kind of this strange confidence booster in a weird way. Cause when you get to the other side of it, you're like, I did it, you know, like, well, I did it.
0: yeah, and it's you know, going through the grief process is a real grown-up thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it is and it does give us resilience and it does give us confidence and it mm-hmm. does does give us an added dimension of faith. Yeah. And and trust yeah. in it's our really good. God. And and so, you know, it's not it's all good basically, mm-hmm. even though you have to walk through the bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Okay, yeah. now we're at. Okay. Ex- we finally reached acceptance. <laughs> so talk and to that, us. Talk to us about well, that. Well,
0: I was just gonna say, acceptance to me is that it is what it is, mm-hmm. and then that's what acceptance means. And I accept the good parts of it. I accept the bad parts of it. I realize that I am better for it. Yeah. In a way Yeah. I'm different for it. Mm-hmm. And so, so then you just, you, once you sit in that acceptance, then the event mm-hmm. for the most part, it doesn't go away, but it loses a lot of its sting.
1: Oh yeah. And it's energy. I mean, like you said, anger has a lot of energy, but like, yeah, I, it does lose its energy. I, I really like that. It is what it is. Like we mm-hmm. can't go back and change it we can't do anything about it uh you know it's not taking us down anymore um but it is it is what it is you know what it I, is what it is i yeah. loved your part and i just wanted to say one thing about the the compassion part i think that not only can we be com- like i think the um, an important part of compassion when it is around this is it, it like allowing people to grieve I think is a, a really difficult thing to do, especially if we love them, because we want to, we want people to hurry and get better. Yeah, we, yes. we, so we
0: don't feel uncomfortable. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was going to come out of my mouth next. Is like, we don't want to be uncomfortable around you, so we need you to hurry and get better so that you're not angry anymore or you're not depressed anymore because being around somebody who's feeling all these feelings is just hard. You know, it can be hard it and is so i think that the compassion piece for not only ourselves going through it but other people on the outside looking in you know you, we never know what people are going through we never ever ever know and we get pissed at people because they're angry or they're impatient or they cut us off or you know and we like bite back or bark back real quickly or you know we don't we We often do not have a lot of compassion. We have compassion. It's like if we knew their story, then we would be like, oh, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know.
0: Yeah. But
1: we don't know people's stories. And so to me, this is just kind of an overarching reminder for all of us to just like maybe just go through the world a little softer with strangers. Um, Yeah and even people we know but we may not know what's really going on behind closed doors you know yeah, i mean exactly. i didn't i didn't tell people what was going on in my house until i said i'm getting a divorce that yeah i'd been suffering for years and you know and only you and like my two best friends knew and yeah. that's hard and my brother you know it's just really hard and so it's just i think i think for all of us dealing with grief for ourselves and others is the compassion is rem- or the remedy is compassion.
0: Yeah, it is. It mm-hmm. really is. And compassion means with love.
1: Hmm. that's really good. Yep, yep. Do all things in love. It's really the answer to okay. it all, isn't it? Well, Janice, we hope you feel better.
0: I'm
1: feeling I'm feeling really fine. I mean, I'll be finished with this really soon. Yeah. Well, and
0: have an amazing vacay. Wow. Oh, thank you. Go
1: have fun with your girls. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Wow. I'm I'm happy for you that you get to go go play especially after being cooped up for for so long. I know. But <laughs> you know what? I appreciate how responsible you are with not feeling well. It's it's nice for the rest of us.
0: Oh, well, it is just, it is, you know, it's, it's, I just did, you just do it because you certainly don't want to have other people get it. No, no, not at all. So, yeah. Well, have an amazing trip. We hope all of you have an amazing week.
1: Thanks so much for listening.
0: Bye.